Will you turn in your Bible, please, with me? We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 today. Galatians chapter 5. We're living in a weird time. It's different. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot politically going on. There's a lot happening just in terms of life. We're excited to be back uh, meeting together inside our building. Um, not all the churches in St. Louis are doing that. And we have grace for people who are at home, people who are on, uh, online, people who are wearing masks and all those kind of things. We Praise the Lord. These are all good things and they're, they're smart things and we need to be smart in this time. That's important. As we are looking at the news, though, it is disheartening to see all of the things that are taking place, isn't it? Um, Seattle needs Jesus. St. Louis needs Jesus. Our own families, we need Jesus. This time has been weird because it seems like no matter what you say, you're going to be wrong by somebody. And the social media jury is going to vilify you on whatever side, even if you are saying exactly the right thing. Uh, it, is, it seems like there's a time where everyone's an expert and no one's an expert. And we call into question all the experts. And so nobody even knows about what to do or what's going on. It is a weird time, isn't it? But we know some things. The Bible tells us that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of the Lord stands forever. Upon the word of God, we build our lives. Upon the word of God, we build our families. Upon the word of God, we build the church. Because we know that God in his kingdom is ruling and reigning. Recently, this last week, my, uh, my mom has been working hard in the house with all the quarantining and stuff, and so she has found some boxes in her basement, and she delivered a box to me that said, Stephen's keepsakes on it. And we found, oh man, treasures, treasures in there. And the kids were so excited to open this box. And so I had set it out on the little table in our living room on the coffee table, and I said, just wait, wait with me, and I'll, I'll come with you, and, and we're going to look through it together. And so no sooner had I cracked the lid, it was one of those Tupperware kinds, you know, I cracked the lid on that thing and stuff is just gone because they were just grabbing things and taking it. There is a Mickey doll that I had from, I don't know how old, little tiny, Jonas got it here, that has become the toy to fight about in my house. <laughs> the toy that we need to set timers on who gets to use it. Anyway, praise the Lord. So in this box, there were some old trophies and mostly participation awards because I wasn't that great of an athlete. <laughs> you know, the orange ribbon, participant. Good job on trying to be on the swim team. Anyway, uh, so these were in this box and there were several trophies. There's a baseball trophy and a soccer one and karate and all this stuff. And, um, and so the kids found these trophies and they were really enjoying them. And it was really funny because when the box opened and all of a sudden the toys, also vintage Star Wars toys, just saying. We're suddenly out and everybody's playing with them and I didn't even know the Mickey was in there because I didn't find it until two days later when the kids were fighting about it. Uh, but the trophies immediately left and so I didn't even see them. And so I, I had kind of saw a glimmer of some trophy looking thing as it left the room. And then I found all the trophies proudly displayed in the kids' rooms because they had taken my accomplishments, you know, and they had, they had displayed them as their own. They were able to say, this is what my dad did. So in a way, I did this too, you know, in the little kid logic. You know, it was really cool because um, i sure I felt great as a dad. But at the same time, I could hear the word of the Lord speaking that the Lord himself 
has made us His children, new creations in Him. He's given us His righteousness. He's changed us from life to death. He's put His very Holy Spirit in us. And the very accomplishments of God, the trophy of God, is you made new. And here's the crazy part. How many of us talk about, man, you should have seen me before I knew Jesus. I'm totally different. Look how much better I am now. Look how much I've changed. If you'd known me then, you wouldn't even recognize me. And there's this righteous, in a good way, pride that comes up that says, man, I'm a different person because of what God's done. And really, he did all of it. You're his trophy. And yet you display yourself in his accomplishments, getting to absorb those same accomplishments and say, look at what God's done and look at what I get to do with him. And that's a good thing and that's a right thing. And that's who you are in Jesus if you believe in him. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Because the alternative of sin is ugly. The alternative of sin is brokenness and junk, and we see it in the news cycle all the time right now. We see it by the 80-plus people murdered in Chicago over Memorial Day weekend, or however, 40, whatever it was. In St. Louis, too, four people shot. What, what is happening in our world? What's happening in the cities around us? What's happening in our own families? We see the junk of it, and our hearts cry out not just to make things better, but to see the trophies of God, the, the new creations of what He's done when He saves people and changes them and makes them to look like Him in His kingdom. Isn't that what we yearn for? Wouldn't that change everything? Here's what Galatians chapter 5 says. Let's start reading together in verse 18. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, Paul says, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now what is Paul talking about? He's talking about in being a new creation in Christ, one who's saved by Jesus Christ, by his death, his resurrection, believing in him, having faith in him, knowing his salvation, God has put his Holy Spirit in us and the works that we used to do and things that we used to love and, and are now ashamed of and lifestyle patterns that are against the kingdom of God are now foreign to us because they've been crucified with Christ. And now as new creations with the Holy Spirit in us, the fruit, the, the harvest that we bear out of ourselves are these good things. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. There's a great list, isn't it? Did you know that's God's very character? We sang about that today, didn't we? Waymaker, miracle worker, all those things. What is God like? He's like love. He is love. He's total joy. He's so patient. He's so kind. He's so gentle. He is God in all ways. He rules. This is what he looks like. And if we're in him, it's what we look like as the trophies that God has, new and changed in him. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Psalm 146. 
Let's read this psalm together. You ready? This psalm was a, like a hymn. The psalms are like the hymn book of the Old Testament people of God and the new early church. And so let's sing this, or not, we're not going to sing it. You don't want to hear that. Well, let's, let's listen to this poem together. It might not rhyme like a lot of poems in English rhyme. But listen to the song that's being sung. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes and the son of man in whom there's no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is, God, is the God of Jacob, whose help is the, the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who execute justice for the oppressed, who gives faith who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves righteousness. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless by the way of the wicked, but the way of the wicked brings them to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. What's the Lord like? What's he like? He loves righteousness. He is justice. You know, we hear a lot on social media about social justice. And there's a lot of definitions that fly around about those things. But the Lord is the God of just justice, period. And that's important. David and Jerry and I had the honor this week of meeting with the eldership of uh, Rehoboth Christian Ministries, a church downtown. And we've known them for a long time through different, uh, different relationships, especially Jerry and Swayzeen have been a father in the faith to the, the pastor. His name's Tyrone. He's a wonderful guy. Listen, we had the best time. We got together for, for dinner here in, in our building, and we had barbecue in, which was, I mean, we have barbecue. Praise God, that's going to be good. And we sat down for like three and a half hours, and it was, just, it was just blessed because they're kingdom people and they love God, and we had a great time together. And uh, this church is a church that we've actually done a lot with in the past. Do you remember when we did the uh, feeding of the, the homeless and the poor down at the, the Tower Ministries and stuff? That, these, are these guys. So we've had a lot of friendship with them for a long time. And uh, this is a predominantly black church, and all the elders are black, and so we were able to sit down in a very tumultuous time and just have brotherhood together and talk about what that looks like. And I'm going to confess to you that there are a lot of things that I don't understand as a white guy and can't understand about experience and all these things. But I want to tell you, I noticed something in myself and something that I've noticed just of people that I've talked to or uh, things that I've heard in the news, um, taking politics out of things for a minute, which is impossible, I realize. Okay, so bear with me in love. Everybody's already sitting up real straight. Let's take the politics out for a minute. Um, does St. Louis look like Jesus' kingdom everywhere? It does not. It does not. Does segregation look like the kingdom of God? It just doesn't. How do we know that? Because the word of God that stands forever says that every tribe, every language, every tongue, every person is going to bow the knee to Jesus and we're all going to proclaim his glory. St. Louis does not reflect the kingdom of God. But we, his people, are his trophies made in his image, saved by him, 
recreated by his death and his blood and his resurrection, his perfect life, made now into saints of God. We get to be his people, and he's made us to be ambassadors for him. And so we sat down with these guys and started talking, and they're wise men who love God. And um, we were talking about trauma and different things that happen and uh, traumatic experiences, what that does to young people especially and all those kind of things. And one of the guys asked, uh, basically he said this. He said, we had a prayer meeting for his, with the church, and we were praying fervently for the boys, for the black boys in St. Louis, because many of them are fatherless. And it suddenly struck me while we were talking that that's the very same argument that I've heard many times of why the black community has a lot of problems. Well, 75% without dads, they're the fatherless. And so that caused their problems. You know, that's a terrible attitude. Taking the politics out for a minute, we just read about the Lord himself in Psalm 146. He himself, by his own character, watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. And it struck me, what if instead of segregation that we've bought into for a long time, politically, whatever, even in the church, what if instead we had embraced discipleship that Jesus told us to do, and regardless of color, we loved people, and we came out to find the fatherless and father them in the faith, regardless of color, regardless of whatever, because if you know Jesus, you're his trophy. You look like him, and the fruit of the Spirit comes through you, and even if you only met him yesterday, you know more than people who are still walking in death. What would it look like for the church to stand up and really plead the cause of the fatherless and instead of using it as ammunition of why to leave things the way they are, to instead for the church, for us, for the people of God to say, we love Jesus so much and we love people so much that regardless of color, regardless of whatever, we're going to love the fatherless and if they're having a plight in the community, whatever it is, we're going to step in and love them the way Jesus told us to, which is to baptize them and teach them and show them and stand with them and help them side by side because that's what the kingdom looks like. And I'm telling you right now, whatever news source you watch, all of them are breeding division. All of them are breeding division in the name of unity. And it's not true because what does unity come from? It comes from us humbling ourselves and saying the segregation in St. Louis was sinful. And Lord, we're sorry for that. And it's sinful that we just live a life where we stay apart all the time because it doesn't look like your kingdom. And instead of blaming the problem on dads that left, and that's wrong. But you know what? That's in every community. And that's wrong everywhere. And instead of using that as ammunition of why we should stay away, we should use it as the, as the motivation for why we should be involved. To love Jesus. To love people to disciple the nations. It struck me that it's easier sometimes for me personally to feed an African that I don't know anything about, who I've just met, and I don't know anything about their story, than to assume on somebody here in the United States they should probably work harder. What a terrible attitude. I repent of that attitude. But I'm telling you, it's, it's in us. It's in our culture. It's not good. It's not right. And so I'm going to tell you the one thing that we left our time with these brothers was to say, we are not going to stand for segregation in the church anymore. 
We're not going to let it be. Now, what are all the political solutions? I don't know. I don't know. We can debate about statistics all day long. We can debate about experience. Is our nation racialized? Absolutely. Is it racist? We debate on all those things all the time. Are certain policies all those kind of things? Stop those discussions for a minute in your mind. And instead, just submit to Jesus. What did he say to do for his kingdom and not for our American politics? Because his kingdom does not look Republican and it does not look Democrat. It looks like Jesus. It looks like his character. And then let's get elected to be the governor and to be senators and to change all the bad things, right? Wouldn't that be better? So I'm not saying don't be in politics. I'm also saying we can talk about all those things, statistics and whatever, but all those things become a mind-numbing Facebook feed of frenzy when you can watch all of the videos and all of the stuff and all of the opinions and we can get away from the opinion of God himself who told us to love people. And it starts with realizing that we have communities right here in our doorstep, right here where God has made us neighbors, where we shouldn't allow just segregation that has been generational to remain. And instead we need to say, Lord, use us. Make us your people effective for your kingdom. What is God going to do to make that happen? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I, I, it started with sitting down with this eldership and saying, Lord, we trust you. And we pray together and just be together. So I don't know exactly what God's going to do, but doesn't it sound like God to shake a whole nation? Doesn't it sound like God to allow all kind of things to happen where he would cause people to question all of their foundations? Can we even protect ourselves from a little germ? What's going to happen to our economy? What's going to happen? Oh my, oh, military and police and states. And the Lord is shaking every one of those to ask us, what is our foundation? And the bottom line is our foundation is the people of God, is the very word of God. Discipleship in him, loving his people, trusting him. Amen? So what should we do? We should pray, Lord, help us. Expose in us any bad thoughts. Help us, Lord, to give us opportunities where we would do your work, where we would be like you, where we would serve you well. Cause the fruit of the Spirit to come out in us in spades, where we would be able to be a blessing to all those around us. First thing we do is pray. The second thing we do is we submit in our hearts to him to prepare for whatever he might do for us. That every relationship, any opportunity, we're quick to take it, we're quick to do something. When I, uh, I used to run a little landscaping business, and it was not great, but I did it. And it was super hard work, and um, mostly it was me and a truck. And I, got a, I won a bid, actually, on a huge job one time, and I needed some help. And so I called my cousin, and he worked at Starbucks, and he had you know, time, and he was in college. And I said, hey, uh, his name's Colin. I said, Colin, can you come help me? I'll pay you. I got to do all this work. It's going to be really a lot of work. I got my friend John Bennett, and he's going to help. And can you come and we'll help and we'll do it together? And he said, he said, I'll be there. And so six o'clock in the morning we met. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was humbled by Colin. Colin ran everywhere he went to the point where by about two o'clock he's throwing up because it's 110 degrees outside. He ran. He carried more than he should have carried in a, as a human. And I stopped him at one point. He, you know, he's sick. I, I said, hey, I'm going to get, here's a sandwich, drink some water. I said, why, why are you doing this? He said, you asked me to work. I want to do a good job for you. I, 
I was, have you ever heard that from anybody? He ran everywhere. He ran with full wheelbarrows. He did everything he could because he, just because I asked him, will you work for me? I said, well, I'm paying you. He said, it doesn't matter. I just, I'm working for you. I, he was really working. When, the God, when our Lord gives us an opportunity and he says, work for me, here's the opportunity. Are we going to be quick to run? Or are we going to let statistics, thoughts, news cycles, other things impede us because we're thinking first politically or we're thinking first as Americans or we're thinking first as whatever instead of first as kingdom people who run regardless of what the reward of the pay is because he asked us to. The last thing we should do is proclaim. What do we proclaim? We proclaim the risen Lord Jesus Christ who has knocked down every dividing wall, who has by himself, by his blood, his death, his resurrection, formed a people to be his trophies, that we are changed. You know, we should not be ashamed of our own testimonies. Even if your testimony was, you know, I got saved at a young age and I, I didn't do drugs. I used to be in uh, high school and I remember um, seeing people come in who were saved from like crazy things, crazy things. You know, I was a mafia hitman. And then I was in witness protection, and somebody told me the gospel, and I got saved. And I was like, wow, I wish I had a testimony like that. And then I was talking to, to one of those guys one time, and he said, if I could, I would give anything, anything to know Jesus when I was six years old. Anything. And it struck me, you know, our testimony. Sometimes by his grace, he saved us from things we didn't even know. By his grace, he kept us from walking down roads that led to destruction. And instead, what do we say? Lord, I wish you would have given me a better testimony. We do that, don't we? What should we proclaim? Don't get caught right now proclaiming about political parties. Proclaim the kingdom. And just start with you. Here's me. This is what God did in my life. This is who I am now. All glory be to Jesus. I'd love to have a coffee with you. Let's talk about it. Let's see, what that, let's see what that does. Because every foundation is being shaken right now, isn't it? Everybody's being shaken. And you can't even meet in a McDonald's right now, some places, to even have that coffee or wherever you go for coffee. So everything's being shaken. Relationships are shaken. Are the online relationships even real? A lot of people are asking that right now, aren't they? And so the very cultural foundations that we have, the Lord is putting his finger on them. That sounds like God. And it reminds us that we need to be in Christ. We need to proclaim his word. And we need to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And if you want love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control in your life, we need Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you're our Lord. Thank you, Father, that you, O oh God, you saved us. Lord, we have no salvation but through Jesus. And so, Father, we submit to you now in Jesus' name. And we ask you, Father, Lord, help us. Help us that we would honor you with our lives. Help us that we would honor you, God, with everything we do as we pray, as we proclaim. Lord, as we prepare for whatever you will do with us. Lord, help us to be those who work fast to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to come to the table. I'm doing that for Steve's sake so he doesn't hit play.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said that this was his body which was broken for us, that we should do this in remembrance of him. He's given us one bread, one body, one Christ, one salvation, one baptism, one Holy Spirit, that in Jesus Christ we can know unity through him. Let's partake of the one bread together. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying that this was the cup of the new covenant in his blood, that we should do this in remembrance of him. Let's partake of the one cup together. Thank you, Lord. I love all the little crinkling sounds. <laughs> Listen, my greatest fear is that you're going to open that thing and it's just going to spill all over you. It's the worst ever. We should maybe like design some Christian bibs. I don't know, something. We'd make a million dollars. Hey, we'll give it to Living Hope. That'll be great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're with us. Thank you for your, thank you for your salvation. Lord, we praise you, and as we have this meal together, we say in the name of Jesus, Lord, forgive us, God. Forgive us for times when we have turned a blind eye. Forgive us for allowing segregation to, to rule how we do things instead of your kingdom. Forgive us, God, for being people who aren't sensitive to your word. Lord, forgive us for getting caught up in news cycles and not getting caught up in your word. Lord, we submit to you now in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, be honored through us. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you that you changed us and made us yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.